To the untold hour. This is Andrew Bowser, your host, your one and only host. You need no other host. That's not true. We miss Jess. We hope Jess is having fun, but it is just me this week again, solo, except I will be joined by a guest. That's right. I haven't let you down so far, have I? We're going to have a really interesting chat with Prince Jackson, who is the host of the Nightlight podcast, a horror movie podcast. And I was on his podcast a few weeks ago. The episode has not aired yet. And now he's on my podcast. And uh, and this episode is probably out before my episode of Nightlight. It's like we time traveled, kind of. So this episode is kind of split up into two parts. Prince is a horror fan like myself, so the first half, we do a little deep dive into horror, his history with the genre, his likes and dislikes, but fear not, we then move into discussing the supernatural and the paranormal, because I know that's what my Untoldians are clamoring for. So, without further ado, enjoy my conversation with Prince from Nightlight. All right, I'm here with a very special guest, Prince Jackson from the Nightlight Podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. This is, honestly, this is, I'm looking so forward to this. I've been looking forward to this all <laughs> week. So, yeah, I'm looking That's forward That's great. Well, we're doing a little switcheroo because I was on your podcast a That's few true. weeks ago, but I think your episode of my podcast will air before my episode of your podcast. <laughs> it, it will, yes. So I, yeah. I, technically, you're, you'll be up for our Creature Feature Month just because nice. you, you just fit that mold perfectly. <laughs> I, I, I do. I mean, behind me, I set up my room, my office, my room, like I'm a teenager. I set up my office <laughs> to be a shooting environment for this weird character that I do. So I have all these horror posters and action figures and VHS movies, but the truth is it's also just the environment I want to live in. Of course. So I, 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 I excuse it away by saying it's a set for my sketches that I shoot. So for those that don't know, tell us about your podcast, the format, the other hosts, and talk to us about when you started that podcast. Yeah, so I run a podcast called Nightlight, a horror movie podcast, and it's under the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. Uh, there's uh, two other co-hosts that I do have on the show. Uh, uh, I'm actually going to be having a kid soon, so um, I'm one of my co-hosts, Freddie. He's going to be taking over for me for about a month or so. He's actually the one who's going to be opening up for uh, Creature Feature Month and all that great stuff. But initially, we are... It's me, Freddie, and David. We consider ourselves the Knights. Um, yes. And initially, like, our nicknames are kind of just a spin off of just different types of night names. And like, you're David. Head Knight. I'm Head Knight. So, yeah, so I'm, <laughs> I'm Head Knight. And uh, I've been Head Knight for years, ever since college. Everyone called me that. Um, nice. And it just kind of stuck, and I just ended up making brands and shit out of it. But um, initially, yeah, I'm Head Knight. Uh, David is Knightly. And uh, Freddy is nighty night, so it's 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 just a fun little play on words with uh, with our night names. But initially, in the show, we actually take a horror film and we break down that horror film by its entirety of its plot. So we literally ruin the whole movie. But at that uh, point in time, we go insanely deep, scene by scene. And initially, talking about an hour and a half horror film takes us about maybe two hours to maybe uh, two hour, two and a half so it's it all depends based off of all of that but initially that is like how we all roll it is such a fun show and let me ask you and for my listeners we will be talking paranormal we will get into some supernatural but because prince and i are both horror fans and because jessica's out of town <laughs> i'm I, i'm using that as an excuse to morph this into a horror podcast um <laughs> Why do you think horror fans like, this is going to sound negative at first, but it's not. Why do you think <laughs> horror fans like revisiting the same material over and over again? Because I will listen to a podcast breaking down a movie that I've seen 30 times, then go and watch that movie again, then listen to another podcast breaking down the same movie. There's something about like the deep dive that yeah. horror fans are drawn to. Why do you think that is? 
Um, I think it's the, it's the the camaraderie of it all, right? I mean, it, it all seems that horror is always that type of genre to enjoy with someone. And right. seeing that whole aspect of initially talking about a picture that really is something that speaks to that specific person is so fascinating. And, and honestly, one of my favorite episodes is Candyman and Get Out on mm-hmm. for ours. And uh, the main reason why is because I got incredibly deep with how uh, black people are portrayed in horror films and how that portrayal has kind of transitioned into us getting Get Out in 2017. Mm-hmm. That was just honestly such an interesting perspective. And, people hitting me up on Twitter and they're just like, yo, like that shit was dope. Like I, I actually loved hearing all that. I didn't even know that was how you felt or how someone of your stature can feel. And absolutely. Like it, totally. it's just such an interesting way to initially talk to somebody without talking. It, it's, it's so interesting, but like, it, it's just the whole fact that it's such a group joining type of genre that is so absolutely incredible let me ask you a question about that about kind of representation in the genre i was uh, just the other day having a conversation with some friends and you know i think culturally hopefully people have been kind of investigating their place uh uh, white people a place of privilege a place of entitlement Mm -hmm. and i've been doing a lot of soul searching and and This isn't necessarily a new thought I've had. It's something that I think I've been aware of for some time, but I've definitely been diving deeper recently. Just the idea that even my expectation of success might be based in a certain amount of entitlement uh, due to my gender and my race, that I grew up and I thought, well, I could be a Ghostbuster because there's a bunch of white guys that are Ghostbusters. I could be the guy in Gremlins. I could be the white guy in Gremlins. I could be Spielberg. I could, you know, like I, there was so much representation yeah. that it, it almost, um, I wouldn't say like warped my expectations, but it was very easy for a kid like me to think I could be accepted in that world because it was reflected back to me. And for you growing up, when did you... Did you engage in horror that wasn't necessarily representative of your experience? Was it harder to engage in that horror? Did it take a film that was more representative to kind of make you feel welcome? What was that experience like for you? Because I don't, I don't know that experience. Right, right. Yeah, and, and uh, to answer your question, initially, yes, I did kind of start off in, in, in a vein of watching horror films that... Uh, didn't have representation for me inside of them, which got me interested. Um, yeah. I wrote a piece back in uh, uh, Black History Month in February, and uh, throughout this piece, I actually wrote this in, in inspiration of Tananaru, uh, Tananaru uh, Du. Um, and with this particular piece that I wrote, it was, it was very much Black History is Black Horror. And initially, my whole thing with... Uh, black representation in, in horror films was that whole kind of basis of seeing those tropes. And that was mm-hmm. all I really got at that time. And then, then I watched Tales from the Hood and I was just like, oh shit, okay. Yeah. Like, there, there's a lot more to this that is definitely heartbreaking, but at the same time, like the black people were either the focal point or something like that. Then I went a little bit deeper. I had like Concha and Hess and mm-hmm. Blackula and... um and uh gosh night of the living dead in 1964 all that all or 68 all that stuff was just really really kind of harkened in on me and um it made me want to experience more and i honestly i i still feel like there there's a lot of work that needs to be done in the genre with it yeah um, but like you know you got the sacrificial black friend which is still technically used i think the last time we really saw it predominantly used was maybe in annabelle uh, right but, right so it, it's it's things like that 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 those are the tropes that i really hope start to fizzle out with uh things like us and um uh and even even i I wouldn't even really truly use midsummer but even how midsummer kind of he technically wasn't the sacrificial black friend but they made him selfish and it was just stuff like that where i was just like ah shit like you know it was was all self-gain and now that that feels a little icky um Mm -hmm. but and granted 
sure, this can just be all personality traits that we're all initially talking about here, but we always see it as a black person. And that's right. the thing. <laughs> uh, well, so that's it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so it's... it's, it's yeah oh no i don't want to cut you off yeah i think i think the genre has a responsibility to like be uh conscious of these things (laughs) and yeah of the history of how the genre has represented um not only different races but but obviously like sexual preferences in in horror and and um i mean horror has mistreated women i mean there there's right. and i th- i think uh as a genre there needs to be and and it is happening but there needs to be this this uh i mean it just pe- becoming more woke they just just it's <laughs> it's the same for horror everybody there just yeah. needs to be an awakening and understanding that moving forward things need to be three dimensional right. and a lot of that would go over my head when i was a kid these things i one of the tropes that went over my head as a kid was the uh and horror noir touches on this a lot but the the yeah. trope of the mystical black person yep and um i think as a kid i would have assumed well that's cool that's right a good thing because they're always uh insightful and and powerful in some way and they solve problems but they're always solving problems for this like white narrative they're always right. helping out the the white story right. and then kind of disappearing you know <laughs> And so, (laughs) right, right. They're just like, cool, everybody good on their way? All right, I'll... A perfect (laughs) example of that is The Shining, right? Yes, yeah. You get get that perfectly in The Shining, where he technically didn't need to be killed. Right. Like, Like... and especially he didn't need to be the only person truly killed. Yeah. (laughs) So it's, yeah, you see it a lot. It shows up to be heroic and... right comes to the rescue and is killed um yeah that's very interesting to me and and also i didn't mean to erase ernie hudson from ghostbusters when i said the ghostbusters were white (laughs) i love ernie hudson i love winston zedmore um i watched the crow on a loop now i sound like one of those people that's making excuses like trust me i really do love ernie hudson but i could just see i could just see a fan saying the ghostbusters weren't all white but what i mean is they're so there's so many white faces in the genre that it was very easy for a kid like me to think, well, I could be Indiana Jones. I could be any of these things. Right. And I like the idea that hopefully horror is turning a corner and becoming more conscious in how it represents all of its fans and is just more inclusive Absolutely. in general. Um, so let's go back to when you were first intrigued by horror as a genre. What was the movie that really made you think, I've got to see more of this? I, I, I'm scared, but I want to go deeper. Yeah. Um, honestly, it probably was Scream 2. Was okay, Scream 2. Really... I've got it on VHS behind me. I, I still got my copy, <laughs> too. <laughs> That's great. I, I thought uh, it was something about it uh, of where it really didn't click until that and i want to say i was maybe in gosh i was in elementary school for sure and i got my first scream mask for halloween and (laughs) i was i was super stoked and i always thought it was so cool that it felt like two movies in one because you had stab in the beginning and then you had scream and and stab was just phenomenally well done by robert rodriguez and it, it was just it was that's where it clicked for me where i was just like holy shit like this is cool like this is Mm -hmm. really cool like that and it to me that was the first horror movie that didn't scare me to where uh, i felt like i needed to go hide under my blankets it it was something i was like okay this is this is actually pretty cool i'm I'm starting to see this stick but my brother wanted to always show me really fucked up horror films older brother oh yeah (laughs) oh yeah and he was about seven years older Oh yeah, that's that's how much older my sister is. So I would get stuff from her boyfriends. Oh, he would yeah. always be like, "What do you mean you haven't seen Cannibal Holocaust? Come here, you know." <laughs> and uh, <laughs> but so, what kind of stuff did your brother show you? Uh, nothing that intense. But uh, <laughs> initially, he he would he would try to show me like things like Jeepers Creepers and and The Grudge and, oh, yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. And um, Jeepers Creepers always freaked me the fuck out. And. I want to say for me, it was maybe 2003. It was probably Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the remake. 
uh, I watched it before him, and I was like, okay, I'm going to get him back. You know, fuck this. You know, I'm going to get him back for sure. So I watched it. I knew all the jump scares. And I remember getting out of my seat, like, oh, I'm going to get a drink of water really quick. And, you know, I'm not trying to tell him. He's like, oh, you're scared, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm terrified. I want to get some water, you know, kind of calm down a little bit. And I get out of the chair and I point behind me and start screaming bloody murder. And it scares the fucking shit out of him. And nothing's there. It's just me being an asshole. And I was just like, I got you back. So that's like, just that's great with me. <laughs> and then that's I uh, initially, ever since then, I just was like, okay, this is my genre. Like I need, I need more of this. I need every aspect. And I didn't really start studying and uh, analyzing horror films until I was maybe in college. Um, and that's when I actually started really, really taking notes and uh, looking at inspiration behind certain films and things like that and really starting to see like, oh, this was inspired by Halloween. Like you can tell a lot of this, uh, a lot of Halloween-esque things are there and, and stuff like that. And actually, uh, uh, a buddy of mine, XL, um, she worked on uh, 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 Chilling Adventures of Sabrina season one and she initially did the jingle of Season of the Witch. And I was like, God uh. damn it, you got it stuck in my head. It's oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> oh, I'm man. one of those. I'm one of those Halloween three apologists. I love Halloween three. Halloween three. If it honestly, if it would have just been called Season of the Witch, yeah, th- everyone would have would have shut the fuck up because Halloween three is awesome. Totally, Halloween three is fantastic as a standalone movie. Obviously, don't count it as a sequel, but Halloween three, Season of the Witch absolutely phenomenal and i think arguably and we may have talked uh, about this on your podcast i don't remember but arguably it may have been a better direction to take the franchise for some time to do kind of an anthology with the the title because i like where halloween goes for like four and five but a lot of i mean obviously not enough people liked that direction because they retconned it with the 2018 movie so it right. might have been smart to kind of make it an anthology, although arguably cementing Michael Myers, you know, as a continuing force of evil was important to continue the franchise. Right, right. Um, this will just turn into Halloween franchise chat, the podcast. <laughs> uh, I one of the, and We did talk about this on your podcast, but so I won't delve too much into it. But one of the things I loved about Scream 2 is it was the the meta approach, the levity that he kind of began with new nightmare that yeah. really blew my mind at that age. The idea yeah. that, like you said, you weren't terrified. You were having fun and you were kind of seeing the, the behind the scenes approach and the hand of the filmmaker was, right. was apparent. And that was really thrilling. I don't remember, um, the last time I saw something when I saw scream, I don't think I saw Scream in theaters, but I saw it as soon as it was out for rental. Mm-hmm. And I don't even think I could understand that a movie could just say, here's the rules of movies like this. <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? You know, it really, really broke my mind in a way. And then upon rewatch, it's still such a solid slasher movie. It doesn't yeah. remove itself from the genre by being that meta. It's still... And this is tangential and I'll get back on track after this. But <laughs> what I don't like is when something becomes so meta, it, it kind of excuses itself from really having to abide by the rules of a film and even stick a landing or surprise yeah. you with any kind of twist. It's just Turns saying into a parody. Right. We're, we're being yeah. ironic. We're parodying right. all the things you know about this genre. But Scream did that so delicately. And then it still gave you a great slasher movie. Which Beautiful. brings me to my question. Um, is there a subgenre of horror that you would consider your favorite? Supernatural, slasher, uh, even if it's like, you know, video nasties from the 70s that were banned <laughs> in the UK. Is there a subgenre that you feel like is your sweet spot? Um, it always changes. So this is a very, very interesting question. Right now, I'm really, really, really into uh, more of the slow burn supernatural horror right now. Yeah. Um, I'm super into that. I, I had a little phase where I was like into like after like, I want to say after porno came out um, from uh, Fangoria yeah. and stuff like that. And it was like kind of the erotica horror. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
that like that stuff is cool it's different yeah i don't really dive too deep into that too often um just because some things are very outlandish and it's just like all right <laughs> sure <laughs> all right um but yeah i'm a really big fan of like the more slow burn um uh paranormal films like i i just saw amulet uh, which was really. I haven't really seen cool. that yet. I haven't seen that. Yeah, I, I want to say that's that's out soon for everyone. But um, I just saw Amulet, and I thought that was it was super slow, super duper slow. But it really, when it hits, it hits, and there's some really shocking shit that you see that's in cool. this sometimes. And I was like, this is really cool. Like I'm actually really really digging this. And then I, uh, I really love found footage films. Oh yeah, I love found footage. Like found footage, found footage, anything, even if it's bad, I want to check it Oof. out. Like I really, really want to check it out. I'm gonna, I, I, I'm gonna tease something that I haven't talked about publicly, but I'm, oh. I'm going to, I'm going to tease it because you're someone whose opinion I would want on it. I may be uh, shooting something soon for oh. no money. That is. <laughs> That is, I guess you would you would call it found footage, but it, it okay. might not be in the traditional sense. But the framing device is that this was all shot by the people involved and that it was discovered. So, oh, yes. um, I would, um, if I had more confidence, I would send you the script. But I think I'll wait because I am shooting it soon. Yeah. Again, no budget. We're going to knock it out in like two weeks. And uh, I'll send it your way because yeah, I'd be curious to... To see what you think, uh, especially as it works as a found footage movie, um, why do you think you're drawn to that? It, it just it just feels visceral. It feels real. Do you just what is it that captures you about that subgenre? Yeah. Um, so I've always been fascinated with true crime as well. Um, oh yeah. So so that I feel like that's the closest thing you can get to a, a true crime esque type of film. I'm not the biggest fan of found footage. Uh, paranormal um, right. just because that's really hard to kind of disassociate yourself from and um, especially with the additive of uh, suspension of disbelief and things yeah. like that although paranormal activity one did a great job in my opinion paranormal activity three did a better job but which is the one where there's I've seen all of them but there's one mm -hmm. I didn't love the film but there was one that had a really great effect it was like a tunnel in a in a girl's in the bedroom wall? in the wall yeah, and I was, was like, a, that that was Ghost Dimension, wasn't it? Uh, Is that the I, subtitle? I, I think so. Yeah, and that that was a really cool effect because yeah, there was some cool stuff in the that. movies at that point. Right, that was really right. neat. Yeah, um, but, but continue. I digress. No worries. <laughs> um, but with found footage, it, it wasn't until I saw the Poughkeepsie tapes is right. where I was just like, oh shit. Okay, so this is what you can do with found right. footage. Then I saw Wreck, and I was like. Oh shit! Okay, found footage. This is this is definitely something that is a little bit more harder. I feel like to accomplish for some some people. Um, yeah. Because I, I I like I said I love them even if they're good or bad or whatever or whatever you want to consider bad. It doesn't necessarily matter. Mm -hmm. But I love the trial of it. Yeah. All. I just I just absolutely love it where it's just like. No, this person tried to do this, and honestly, it kind of worked in this aspect. And it's it, totally I, I see so many really cool things about it. Like I want to say, one of my favorite found footage um, was a was a zombie movie. Well, it's actually a zombie short that was a part of VHS two. Um, okay, I think it was called A Walk in the Park. Is the name of it? I think I know the one you're talking about. I'm yeah. more familiar with the first VHS, but I've seen VHS two. I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, initially the zombie uh, or the guy's riding his bike he gets bit by a zombie he has a gopro on his on his helmet yeah. and he slowly starts transitioning into a zombie until he eventually goes to a park but you're all in his perspective right and and it is so cool and i think it's so well done and it's just so 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 clever um and I, I got a lot of hate for people saying for me saying that that was one of the best uh, segments <laughs> uh, but you know the, the, I, I get it i get it everyone loves the the temple thing i thought it was a little a oh, little yeah. much but um it, it, it was when you saw the demons that's when i was like all right yeah, yeah. it was cool until i saw that it was, just got a little cheesy but mm -hmm. um I love a walk in the park. I think that's what it's called. That sounds about right to me. A walk in the park. I'll look it up as we continue to chat. I think also, yeah. and this this may be something we touched upon, is that I think I try to, I I try to see the good and the bad in 
in every film. I don't even, if yeah. somebody says, did you like that movie? Rarely is it a yes or no for me. I mean, there's some where it's just like, yes, God, yes. But, right. um, but there, you know, you may like something because of what it accomplishes at a conceptual level. And that may mean more to you in that moment. You may just be looking to be inspired by the, the experiment of it, the, the restriction right. of what found footage does. And then there's other people that are just looking to see, like, did it succeed as a whole? Did it knock it out of the park? Well, that's not always the most important thing to me. A lot right. of times I'm kind of looking for, I mean, again, like, I wouldn't burst into a room screaming, Paranormal Activity Ghost Dimension was fantastic. <laughs> but I would I would take in at least, like, what they did with the VFX, and, and I thought some of that was really clever, and I'm not going right. to toss that out just because it didn't work overall. Absolutely. But that leads me to my next question, which is, is there a horror movie, or if you don't want to get this specific, is there a subgenre that you do just hate? Um, <laughs> that you do just, you just don't have regard or time for? I'll say, I'll tell you one of mine first. Yeah, go for it. Um, uh, there's plenty that I dislike, but I, I tell you, one thing that I've just never... <clears throat> suffered is um movies that are just a and, and i'm not sensitive to gore i'm a gore hound in many ways my favorite subgenres are body horror and monster stuff so if somebody's not if something's not crawling out of someone's stomach <laughs> or if they're not growing extra limbs normally i'm not clocked if it's in not videodrome we're not watching. right <laughs> exactly <laughs> um Cancer but, guns everywhere. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but a movie like Terrifier, which is uh, oh, an in sure. indie film. Love I hate it. to criticize guys that, that are making something for next to nothing, but I don't enjoy a movie like that. I don't That's enjoy fair. what seems like a string out of, of violent set pieces. Sure. I got to have an in. I got to have a connection and so, you know, somebody messaged me the other day. They were like, you're a horror guy. Should I watch Terrifier? And I was like, no. I don't know what I... W I don't even know that there's like a single shot I would say, hey, it's worth watching because of that shot. But then I know there's people that are like, Art the Clown is my guy. I got right. the tattoo already. So it works for, for plenty of horror fans. Yeah. Um, what would be that... If you don't want to say a specific movie, what would be that subgenre for you? What's something you're just like, I'm not there for it. That's not it. Um... Uh, the subgenre, it, it, that's a that's an interesting one, um, mainly because there's not too many subgenres that I don't dive into and that I don't find something that I like out of it. Um, yeah, I know like a lot of the common answers are like gore porn and torture porn, but sure, I can lie, I actually, I don't mind that stuff. Like it, it doesn't really bother me. Um, yeah, as, as, but I mean, also I did kind of have a, a different take with gore and things like that very early on. I went to a medical high school. So that uh, that you went to a medical high school. I went to a medical high school, McLean Medical Academy in Fresno, California. Interesting. <laughs> well, yeah. I want to hear about that, but but yeah, but finish finish your point, then I'll ask you about that. Um, but so I, I I saw initially a, a lot of actual gore in in, yeah. in real life. Um, so uh, real gore doesn't really bother. I guess movie gore doesn't really bother me. I, mm -hmm. I actually get stoked when they get it right. Um, like Autopsy of Jane Doe actually does a really good job of their gore because it's just, yeah. like, it's like, yeah, like that's a per and look, it's all right, all this medical bullshit. I was like, that's a perfect V in, in section right there. That's <laughs> right. great. Like that looks awesome. And um, I remember watching this with friends and initially when they have to open up the cavity, um, they're like, does that, does that, I was like, oh yeah, like that's exactly how you do it. You just take some, some good old garden shears and just oh my crack gosh. those bones open and just remove it. It's just like, yeah. that's how you do it. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's so, it, it was so fascinating, but initially i think my maybe my stay away genre would probably be more of those they're not really snuff because they're still fake but those ones that really try to push the erotic aspect of of horror where it's just like yeah a serbian film and right uh, right and solo and, and stuff like that like i um even devils uh even though i actually enjoyed devils but um, right. I've only seen it once and I don't really have honestly any interest of watching it again, but I yeah. enjoyed it. I remember liking it, but it, it, it's, it's just, 
even that like it's just all all those types of particular movies i don't even know what category you would really consider those i know i mean yeah they i do wonder how those are categorized um they almost would be like modern video nasties just because they right yeah they become known for the like depravity of the subject matter and Sometimes they're known for the filmmaking as well, but a lot of times the thing that I mean, I remember I was at a film festival when Serbian film was premiering, oh, <laughs> and I didn't go to see it. But but then I, I surprised myself. I and I hate to even put this on record, but uh, I actually kind of liked the house that Jack built. I don't know if you watched that, the oh, Lars yeah. von Trier movie. Yeah, when that one. The house. I was like, wow. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> I guess that that was a film that people had told me, ah, dude, stay away from it because it fits in the category of kind of depravity for depravity's sake. But right. I found once I watched it, granted, I did watch the edited version. Oh, not okay. The, 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 there is a longer There's kind a of Von one. Trier cut. Mm-hmm. And I saw one that was trimmed by, I don't know, a matter of m- minutes and so maybe I wasn't as offended because it actually seemed tame in ways. But I also mm-hmm. felt like it all did connect to some interesting themes. And I felt like there was a a statement there, whether it was one I could agree with, there was a statement. And it felt more like it was about the nihilism just behind his art. Like it was Lars right. von Trier saying, what do you want me to make? I'm, not, I'm never going to make something that'll fit into your categories. Here, yeah. here's a movie about a guy that just kills everyone and makes, makes a house. Like, I guess I kind of felt like I understood it on a, an emotional level, whereas a lot of those films, I can't get past the, the violence to, to understand it on an emotional level, and maybe some people can. Right. And I just haven't it's, been able to. I, I think that just goes into the depravity of of things where like hostile and and stuff like that even though i love hostile part two um i'm a huge hostile part two fan but um it's it's things like like those particular types of movies where yeah it seems like it's more violence for violence sake or or things like that um but at the same time it has such an interesting take when it comes to more of the gorier types of, of horror films that are extremely violent to initially be violent. But yeah, it, it's, it's interesting looking for the story. Uh, yeah. Within that. You shouldn't have to, I'm not saying you should have to search for the sure. story, but initially it, it's a very fascinating thing when you are looking for the story and theorizing and, and things like that. Um, uh, Cause I really like saw and I like yeah. Saw too. I'm a huge fan of both of those. Don't really mm-hmm. care for the rest of the series, but initially love Saw and Saw 2. And to be honest, there's not much story there. It, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's They're like, kind of it, just like, procedurals. <laughs> They're like, and exactly. then this person goes over here and then this cop shows up, but then this right. guy was already dead. Yeah. It's like it, you kind of just going through the motions. Exactly. And and initially for, for most people, when, when it comes to them trying to watch Saw, um, I always say, think of it as an anthology. You know, just mm-hmm. think of these as all micro vignettes that all attach to this one dude, and, right? And it's it, you're you're learning everyone else's story as to how they got there. That's the story, right? And not initially, why is this dude doing this? Because he tells you in the beginning of the movie why he's doing this. Mm-hmm. It's just like I'm dying. You don't care about your life. Like, yeah. <laughs> all right, I'm angry yeah. and I'm uh, and I'm smart. So it's just like, all right, yeah. cool. So. You're 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 initially there for their story, and, yeah. and that's why I thought Saw Two was absolutely genius because you got their story in pretty much an H. H. Holmes style hotel of death, which yeah. was so fucking cool. Mm-hmm. And probably the most genius aspect behind that was the fact that mostly everyone were drug addicts. Therefore, yeah. he kept them off of drugs for about four days, so they're all Jones and like crazy. Yeah. Which made their characters even do more erratic shit to make more sense. And I thought that right. was absolutely genius. Yeah. I think there's definitely merit to investigating those themes. I uh I think I'd like to say I have a stomach for for the entire breadth of what horror has to offer, but the truth is sure. there comes a point where I tap out. Oh yeah. Um, you and me both. Yeah, yeah. But you must have a little bit of a stronger stomach when it comes to this <laughs> stuff because you went to medical high school. Yeah. Tell me about that. I Oh, I have a friend, and I won't say who in case they don't want to be named, but I have somebody Fair that enough. works in 
forensics and DNA, and, and they have to do crime scene visits often. Oh. And they told me about a crime scene once that was, I mean, was it was hard. a horror film. It was a horror film. Yeah. And, and, and this person told me, well, you know, they had never seen anything that graphic, but at the same time, it didn't hit them the way you would think. It was very much like, I'm here to do my job. Um, I mean, there was dismemberment involved. It was intense. Yeah. And they were able to, even though it was their first crime scene of that amount of uh, violence, they were still able to do their job and slept fine that night. And I think that shows they're built for it. Yeah. Were you kind of built for that? Did you have an easy time with that kind of stuff in high school? What did um, you have to do? So not right off the bat, like it's kind of it was it was pretty odd how they did it, but it makes sense. So they they start us really really small, and initially you take a, a physiology class each year, and we had we initially had to pick a pick a disease, and study that disease for uh for four years, and the disease that I chose I chose a disease and a disorder, and I just was like overachiever over here, uh, mm-hmm. but the disease I chose was asthma and uh, the disorder I chose was sleep apnea with a hint of insomnia because I okay. have both of those. Okay. Um, so I was like, all right, yeah, I want to learn more about this. And, and it was super intense. You couldn't just like do a Google search kind of thing. Like you literally had to go out and do field work on uh, certain people who have asthma. Like I literally had to uh, make this test where they blow into a machine and I had to literally count their breath of six seconds. And it, it, it was stuff gotcha. like that that was super interesting. But um, when we had these physio classes, they start as really small and you can opt out. You don't have to do them. Um, yeah. Instead of physio, you can take anatomy, uh, but you would have to take anatomy for four years and anatomy is boring as all hell. <laughs> um, but physio was initially anatomy plus you're opening stuff up. Uh, but they started us with like worms and then from worms, we did frogs. From frogs, we did a cow's eyeball. And that was another thing you had. You could also, if you were vegan and, and, and things like that, you can opt out on those as well. And you can just gotcha. learn the physiology part of it um, and the biology. Um, and then from there, uh, we had to initially do a certain exam where we did like a cow's head. And oh, wow. um, based off of that, we had to sign a few waivers and things like that to actually start studying the next steps of this class in a medical school and we did it at UCSF and technically it was a, a charter version of UCSF because this was in Fresno um, and uh, University of California, uh, University of California, San Francisco. And with all of that, they had us initially at that school to where we got to work on cadavers. Wow. And that was, uh, that was interesting. Um, you definitely don't, get the scent of like death like i mean it's all for emma uh i can never say the word but it, it's all yeah. yeah so it's all the chemicals um and it doesn't smell great still it just smells like kind of like it smells like like rubber like it's yeah. weird yeah it, it, it's it's like yeah like doused rubber and gasoline it's a very odd smell but hmm. initially that's what you would smell all the time and um working with that that was initially that was super interesting, but I got to work on about a total of four bodies, um, and you don't really get that much blood. Sometimes you do, um, but they, they usually don't. They try their best not to have them that fresh. Um, mm-hmm. They try to keep that for all, like, autopsy reports and stuff like that. Um, but most of the ones that you got to work on were John and Jane Doe's that initially either just didn't have any type of anything on them when they died. Um, yeah. So they, they didn't have a burial ground they didn't have family and also other stuff um so we would study all that kind of stuff and it was super interesting oh we also got to work on a cat Uh, but we would study all that kind of stuff um and it it was it was fascinating it was really really fascinating and you could you, you can check like um one person they would have like little tests and be like okay find the patient who was a smoker or uh, yeah. find the patient who died of cancer, and they'll tell you what kind of cancer, so you don't have to search around this whole body. Right. Um, and it, it was all of those types of tests that we would have to do. So, so yeah, I've, I've seen I've seen lungs, I've seen I've seen guts, I've seen intestines, brains. I have seen brains. Yep. That's the hardest thing for me. You know, even when I just have seen like pictures of 
of a oh yeah they're, they're brain in a skull i'm just like ah, i can't yeah they're squishy yeah <laughs> they're squishy and it, oh, it yeah, just they're, they're, it makes they're, me they're interesting it makes me just think too far outside of myself like i'm just like sure. so it's all in there it's just all in there all the information everything that kind of makes us function is just in that jelly ball oh, okay yeah. oh yeah and there would even be things like try to find the tumor like try to find oh, the tumor wow. in the brain and, and stuff like that and then and, and sometimes you there'll be like this this black gunk that yeah. comes out of when you open it and there you go that's the tumor wow. um, so it's it's super interesting and even when you see like on like tv shows and stuff like that like they'll have like these kind of like radio waves of um of uh of like patients and things like that and you'll see like the little black then it's all coming out that's technically not a tumor like when they say that like tumors are actually they, they look clear when the, <laughs> when they show up on solo it looks like you have a hole through your brain interesting yeah so it's 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 interesting did you continue that that field of interest into college or or, or no. did you, was that just a high school thing wow yeah, it's it was I, just high school yeah i yeah uh i initially i decided pretty early on it was like maybe my junior year when i was like i don't think i want to do this anymore yeah um and i actually went into design instead okay <laughs> 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 that's so great after that i was like i think i'm good i like i i saw enough bodies and i wasn't like scarred or anything i still sleep like a baby and i think of it time to time. Yeah. but um initially yeah. it pops up a lot when i watch like like things like autopsy of jane doe and then like for how sure much they got it right and it just got me kind of stoked and geeked out over it for sure Well, tell me about some of your personal paranormal experiences. Yeah. I know you mentioned something about some poltergeist activity. You mentioned something about a relative that's from Louisiana. Oh, tell yeah. me about some of your paranormal experiences and just how much you believe of that world. Yeah. Uh, so I am a believer. I haven't okay. had too many things happen to me um, personally, uh, but I had this incident where I was chilling. It was the summer. I was maybe 12 or 13 at the time. And, um, initially I was hanging out with my uncle. We were, we were both hanging out and he actually showed me a lot of horror films when I was in my teens, but we were watching something. I forgot what we were watching. Excuse me. But I, I'm pretty sure it was a horror film that we were watching, but all of a sudden we hear the door unlatch. And we didn't think much of it. We didn't even think it was the really the door. We thought it was maybe the clock because we had this big grandfather clock that's been in our family for years. So I was like, all right, probably the clock. Not going to worry about it. And then the door opens. And we were like, okay, all right, that's that's creepy. And he tells me to go close the door. And I'm like, ah, oh, nah, man, nah, nah, you should you should close it. Like, you got muscles and stuff, you know? Like, right. <laughs> so, like, you should close it. Um and right when he closed it, the grandfather clock goes off. Huh. And and it was definitely a coincidence because it was midnight right when he closed it. Sure. But it was just very, very odd. And uh, that was the main thing that happened to me. Was this the <laughs> same house that you mentioned? You mentioned a house that was cursed by a voodoo priestess. Yes, this is the same house. Why yes. was this house cursed by a voodoo <laughs> priestess? So this is a very interesting story. Uh, this is the first time I've actually tell, told this story. But um, my aunt, her her grandfather, um, his name was Harold Lopez. And uh, his his wife passed away previously, to uh, uh, before he did. And he remarried. He remarried this woman and... Uh, you know what? I'm gonna name her because she was a she was a complete asshole. <laughs> <laughs> but her name was Teresa, okay. and I have no idea where she is nowadays. And um, you can even find like cases of her and my mom on the internet because they she tried suing my my mom. And I I say my mom, but I refer to her as that. But I'm actually talking about my aunt. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, so I uh, she tried suing my mom and stuff like that. But. She was really into voodoo, extremely. And my aunt always, till this day, she still believes that she killed him. And initially, because it was very sudden, the way he hmm. just passed. It was just one day he was fine, and then the next he was gone. And wow, it, it was so interesting. Kill, they think something physical, or do they think something supernatural killed they think him? Supernatural. Like supernatural. Uh, 
interesting. Yeah. Uh, so there's these bed of flowers that are outside. And my grandmother still lives in that house, actually. But there's these bed of flowers that are outside across the street from my grandmother's house. And technically, um, they are poisonous if you were to initially eat them. And huh. um, you, I don't know what they're called, but I can send you pictures. Uh, but initially, uh, they believe that something conjured up with that. Now, interesting. A- after all of the th- kind of things happened with him, we went to the funeral, and it was quite theatrical. My my mom broke down into tears and started screaming that. Teresa killed her dad and all this stuff and and she was yelling it on the top of her lungs and just Teresa killed my dad Teresa killed my dad and she's there Teresa's like right behind her <laughs> and and initially they uh she sued my aunt, my my aunt and mm-hmm. when she sued her she was trying to get the house and all this whole other stuff um so long story short my mom won she won the lawsuit we got the house so they cursed it and initially, I don't know what kind of curse they did, but when we got up to the house and we didn't move in right away, this was maybe the house sat idle for about a month and no one was in there for a month. Mm-hmm. And uh, Fresno is very well known for having hailstorms. And um, hailstorms. Yeah, or ha- hailstorms. Okay. <laughs> um, so they're very, very well known for having those quite frequently, in, in, especially in the summertime for some reason. Yeah. Um, so initially, multiple storms have happened because fall, it was around fallish when we, uh, or spring to go into summer uh, when we were about to move in. And um, we come up to the doorstep. And there are these two blades of grass, a drop of chicken blood in the middle, and then a, a circle of bones surrounding it. And wow, we didn't know what it meant. <laughs> yeah. And I'm young, and my grandmother's like, "Go back to the car," like just go back to the car. And my grandmother's from Louisiana, so she's, yeah. she's seen a lot of this voodoo stuff before. And then we had another one in the backyard. And oh um, my gosh. So my grandmother called the priest right down the street and she got the whole house exercised before we even wow. moved a single item into the house. Um, and that was like the only experience that I truly experienced there. But there's always been a lot of creepy stuff that's happened around the house. Like there's the house. It, it was very, very creepy on certain aspects of things that would happen there. Like, uh, uh, our backyard was very large, and the property itself was actually quite large. It's it's about a about almost a two acre um, plot of land. Oh wow! And um, the house itself sits on a, about half of acres, uh, about a half an acre, and you just see the backyard just full of darkness. And hmm. there's all these different types of trees back there, and I've always was afraid to go out there at night, mainly because of black widows and shit. But yeah, <laughs> but it was around this time where there's this legend that happens, and you can actually look this up. Uh, um, but they're called the night crawlers, <laughs> and they're very odd looking. There's there's maybe a, maybe two or three videos of them that you can probably find that walk around this cemetery called the Belmont Cemetery, which. Spoiler alert, we lived right down the street from the Belmont Cemetery. <laughs> so you would always hear really strange things. And sometimes you would get like wisp of certain things that look like it walked right past you. But initially, it's these beings that kind of walk very bow-legged. And they are uh, very skinny and slender, but they are very odd-looking. And it's... Huh. And uh, so the Nightcrawler itself w- was initially that was that was the tale of Fresno. Like it was always just like, be careful of the Nightcrawler. Don't go on the west side of Fresno because the Nightcrawlers are going to get you. And I lived on the west side of Fresno. Was it thought of as a singular creature or multiple like Bigfoot? So, There's many. Uh, th- it, they, it's actually they initially kind of are like wolves, so they go in packs. Okay. And, and initially, uh, the videos you find, they're never alone. There's always one or two. Um, wow. Or there's always more than one or two. <laughs> um, I love so how... It's super interesting. Uh, 
I've been doing this podcast and the previous podcast for a combined, I don't know, five or six years, uh-huh. and I've never heard of these. And, and I Google it, and yeah, there's so <laughs> many discussions around Fresno Nightcrawlers, cryptid case study. Fresno yeah. Nightcrawlers are terrorizing this town. This, this is great. Yeah, the Fresno Nightcrawlers are really, really intriguing. Uh, Fresno's always had some really strange stuff, um, especially around like the big Fresno Fair. Um, it's oddly hmm. one of the largest gang populations in California. And, wow. and on top of that, there's a case that happened there uh, of a guy who initially, he mysteriously died. But with this case, he thought that um, people were watching him. And he, mm-hmm. he initially like had surveillance and he would make these blog, blog p- posts and eventually he got it to the point where it ended up in the Fresno B of like hmm. these people watching him. And I'm sure if you if you just look up something around the realms of uh, Fresno man mysteriously dies, okay. um, you'll probably find it. But initially that guy uh would take pictures of these vans and he always thought it was like the FBI or uh, the Fresno PD that was initially after him of something that he possibly knew. And he initially, his last thing was if I die, um, then you know officially that these are the people who did it. And he did die and he died on the day that he uh, claimed he was going to die. Um, so it's it's Man. very interesting. Fresno's a very interesting town. Yeah. Oh, I love it when we have a guest on that leaves me with things that I can do more research on. Yeah. Because uh, again, like this is a blind spot for me. Uh, well, tell me about your. You said your grandmother's from Louisiana. Does yeah. she have any? Every time we've talked to somebody from Louisiana or that spent time there, they just say. I mean, they laugh if we ask if they've got a ghost story. They're like, do I have a ghost story? I have 30. Oh, yeah. Because the, the it just feels like the area is so rich with hauntings and spirits, yeah. um, positive and negative. I mean, I, I've got... Absolutely. Someone told us a story, and I'm blanking on who it was, that said like they had one of their the worst experiences ever uh, in a haunted house in louisiana that said like they woke up sick and the people on the crew were vomiting and they'd leave oh, it was man. the darkest the darkest place they've ever experienced um but what were some of your grandmother's experiences if you if you know of any yeah um she moved to san francisco fairly young but not that young she was maybe in her teens when she moved here but she initially would tell me stories of her seeing things when she was little and um it was always super fascinating she grew up in a little town called natchitoches natchitoches louisiana and uh, it was very close to the french quarters um but initially she would share these stories of how like uh, voodoo was involved with most of the like most of the people that she would run into and and all that crazy jazz but it was mainly always based off of like her brother uh, of, of and it wasn't until she initially came back to or came to San Francisco and her brother just passed and uh, she would tell me a story of, of waking up and she sees him on the foot of her bed oh, wow. just sitting there and um, she was sleeping in the same room as her sister at the time and uh, initially she looks over and she sees that her sister is awake and she like she's just staring in that spot and uh, the next morning, she initially asked her, like, did you see Ray? And she said, yeah, yeah, I saw Ray. And <laughs> it was such a such an interesting, interesting story. And, and Ray was all I've never met him. Um, he passed away before I was uh, here. But uh, initially, Ray always had like uh, a type of fascination with the uh, not the occult, but uh, the paranormal. Um, interesting some aspects of the occult um my biological mom did have quite the ties with the cult (laughs) oh really oh yeah oh yeah so uh i guess this is uh, a fun little tangent but um this is a fun appropriate tangent (laughs) (laughs) there's there's no tangent that's inappropriate for the untold hour we accept all tangents so my mom, she actually was a part of the all people, uh, the people's temple. Oh, whoa. And um, she was a part of it for about three years. 
and um, she was she really. God, the terminology I was just about to use. I was going to say she really drank the Kool-Aid. She did not drink the Kool-Aid. Right. <laughs> she did not drink the Kool-Aid. She actually uh, was really into it, though. She was really into uh, the People's Temple, and she really, really loved uh, various aspects of it, and she loved Jim Jones. Like, even to this day, she actually still has a picture of him on her nightstand. Wow. Um, and she just thought he was the most smartest man in the world the most smartest wow prince grammar the smartest <laughs> man in the world and well because they were san francisco based right or yeah they were they based were, in the bay area yeah yeah um, they they uh, and initially one of his temples were right down the street from my grandmother's house in san francisco oh, wow. and um and yeah she was a huge huge fan of it and uh, she would even go to uh, a few a few things for like levee Anton, mm -hmm. Anton LaVey uh, for uh, the uh, Satanic Temple and things like that. And, and she she loved that stuff. Like she didn't go because she practiced um, uh, anything for, for Satanism. But initially she went because she just thought it was fascinating. She practiced Wicca for a little bit, though. But wow. um, so with the People's Temple, she initially uh, was going to catch her flight for Jonestown. And she missed it. Wow. And she couldn't afford to actually, she wasn't working at the time. She was maybe, gosh, maybe 19 at the time, maybe 20. And she missed her flight. She couldn't afford to initially go there. And um, she ends up just going to New York instead. She's just like, all right, well, fuck it, I'm going to run away. Goes to New York hanging out there for a bit she actually that's when she really starts getting into like ouija boards and stuff like that um i guess this is where the story kind of turns a little sad um but right when she comes back to san francisco she finds out about uh her, the parishioners of jonestown and, and yeah and stuff like that and uh the passing and all that stuff and she hated uh i think till this day she still really dislikes um gosh what's her name jackie spire she really oh, okay. hates her because she was like, she exposed him and blah, 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 and all this and that. And um, and I was I was trying like hell to have her watch the sacrament, but she was like not trying to have it. But, right. Um, initially, uh, she came back and after dealing with like the Ouija board and stuff like that, she would play it with my grandmother. And my grandmother remembers her playing it, playing it when she was a little kid, too, and it would always say the same thing. It would always say Yvonne leave and Yvonne's my grandmother's name. Oh, wow. And it would always, and it would, it would actually, it would, it would do, it would do this really interesting thing. It would only call her by a nickname that her really close friends would call her that my mom never hung out with. Huh? <laughs> and it wouldn't say Yvonne. It would say something like, um, I think her nickname was like, uh, it, gosh, it was, uh, sweet pea or something like that hmm. and like her friends would call her sweet pea and um and initially would it would say her nickname and then leave and then wow. my mom didn't know what what it was even talking about she's like what is this like what's what's sweet pea and my grandma didn't think anything of it she just thought it was kind of cute and funny but um a few years later after all this stuff when my mom started getting a little bit deeper into it then she started realizing all right maybe maybe i should look into this a little bit more and um, there's an incident where when she came back from uh, New York, heard about all the stuff at Jonestown and her and my grandmother got into a fight. Mm -hmm. And it was a fight that my grandmother, my grandma's very religious, um, but she, she initially says this was the fight that turned her to Christianity initially. And this is the fight that turned your biological mother to Christianity or the grandmother? grandmother? Your grandma, your gra okay. Yeah, because uh, initially she always claims it as it was the fight between Jesus and the devil. Mm -hmm. And um, they both were like speaking in tongues. And this is from her account. I, I obviously I wasn't there. Um, yeah. But this is all from her account. Uh, um, and initially my grandmother says she only had to hit her once and that just stopped to where they just broke down into tears together. Wow. And it, it was such a fascinating story behind that. And uh, my grandma was my the mom. sorry. Go ahead. Was the was the fight about religious things? Was it about? No. It, it was. It, about, wasn't, it, was it wasn't. About, it was about nothing. It was just initially. Yeah. She got very angry, and my grandmother got defensive, 
Yeah. And she she got into this mode of protection. And and my grandmother always says that it wasn't protection for me. It wasn't, pro- or not me, but for her. It wasn't yeah. protection for anyone in the house. It was protection for my mom. And that was such an interesting way to put it. Um, yeah. My mom, my mom would always paint like her rooms black and all this whole other stuff. And, <laughs> and she she loved that kind of stuff. But um, she doesn't do that much anymore. But eventually, uh, when she t- turned about 18, uh, my mom was diagnosed with schizophrenia. Oh, and wow. um, when she had that diagnosis, that's where things started kind of taking a very, very, very intense turn. Gotcha. Um, so it was it was fascinating. To, to say the I least. I mean, there's, there's, I feel like we could talk for another 30 minutes about all of this. There's so much. I mean, there's so yeah, much so family. Deep. Yeah. I mean, there's, yeah, the family <laughs> ties. I also grew up in like religion, but it wasn't too strict. But then for a time got involved, like I just grew up kind of casual Methodist, but then for a time was involved in like a charismatic church. So, oh, you sure. know, there was belief in, possession and speaking in tongues and yeah uh and and things get intense i mean uh, and not to diminish any one side of the of the belief but it just things get intense when it's when it's when any argument is kind of uh can be mag uh what's the word like when it's when it's heaven and hell is what you're actually talking about it gets really deep you can be talking about nothing but all of a sudden, it is like the weight of the world right. is weighing on this uh, on this argument. I definitely know that. So you're so it's interesting then. So then your mother knew people that did go to Jonestown. So yes. for her, that was like that was really those are people I was friends. Yeah, these were. Yeah. So wow. there, there was about I think there was about thirty people or so that she actually considered family. Yeah. Um, and she has this book or something that has their names and all that stuff in there. And wow. She, she writes to them still, um, but initially, yeah, that that was uh, that was initially her family. Right. Yeah, um, it, 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 it's weird because it's just like I always when I, I always tell that story, people kind of look at me and they're like. I'm like, yeah, I technically shouldn't be here. <laughs> like, <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah, it's it's crazy to. It could have just been she chose not to go to Jonestown, but the idea right. that she, she was going missed, to yeah, go and just, just missed, missed the flight. flight. Yeah, I mean, that's you could spin off into a million existential questions just about yeah. that. Some Final Destination shit. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Bringing it back to a horror franchise. <laughs> Final, um. Well, before we wrap things up, what is the connection to Zodiac you mentioned? You mentioned oh, some yeah. kind of connection to Zodiac. Um, boy, my grandma, man. Uh, so <laughs> my grandmother worked at Wells Fargo for many, many years. She worked for Wells Fargo for about 37 years or so. And then uh, one of her colleagues um, that she worked with, uh, she was uh, killed by the Zodiac. Oh, wow. uh, initially... Um, if you know the, the the story of the park with the kind of the rope is still there and all mm-hmm. that stuff, um, initially that was her and her boyfriend. They were having oh a picnic, goodness. and he and he got he got both of them. And and my grandmother was just like, oh man. And someone asked her, <laughs> this is a funny little little story, but someone asked her, like Yvonne, are you afraid? Like this is scary. And she's like, like. Mm. Not really, because I live in the hood, and I don't think you would come around there. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> right. All right, Grandma, there you go. <laughs> That's a great response. Yeah, oh, my goodness. She's like, and the person even followed up, they're like, so you think you think the person's white? She's like, oh, absolutely. <laughs> right, right. That's so interesting. Yeah. Well, gosh, I, f- I feel like we'll need to just keep booking each other on podcasts so we can oh, keep having down. conversations. But... Um, <laughs> But we're out of time for for today. Yeah. Where can people find you on social media, find Nightlight? What's the best way for people to stay uh, on track with all of your developments? Yeah, so you can actually keep up with me over on Twitter at the Head Night, and that's Night with a K. You can also um, hear my voice initially on Nightlight, a horror movie podcast, also with a K. Um, and you can also see my words every now and then on bloodydisgusting.com. Well, bloody-disgusting.com. Bloody <laughs> totally. Well, Prince, thank you so much for being here, and hopefully we'll get to talk again real soon. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. 
What a wonderful conversation. I'm not kidding when I say I could talk to Prince for a lot longer than we had time to talk this week. We've got a lot of similar interests, and I would like to know even more about his family history and ties to the occult and his grandmother's uh, life in Louisiana and knowledge of voodoo. So maybe we'll have Prince back on a future episode and dive even deeper. But until that time, make sure you follow us on Instagram at The Untold Hour and on Twitter at Untold Hour Pod. Now, I promise one of these upcoming episodes, well, we'll do Weird of the Week. We'll do listener stories. It's just these guests have been so damned interesting. They've been taking up the whole run of show, and I'm fine with that. Next week, we'll have yet another interesting guest. So join me then, won't you? Until that time, this has been Andrew Bowser, and you've been listening to The Untold Hour. Bye. Scarpins Audio, a podcast, <clears throat> a podcast network.